something called the Super Bowl that's taking place. Years ago, I preached a message called Giants versus Patriots. And uh, the following year, I preached something called 49ers versus Ravens. The following year, I preached Seahawks versus Broncos and turned into a little tradition around here. But, you know, you can't do something forever, so... I'm going to read from Leviticus 25 and verse 8. The 49ers are playing the Chiefs tonight in the Super Bowl. Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 8 says this, Thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee. Seven times seven years. And the space of the seven Sabbaths of years... See, the Holy Ghost is already moving. You can already feel... Shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And you shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty. Throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof, it shall be a jubilee unto you. You shall return every man unto his possession. You shall return every man unto his family. A jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you. You shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it of thy vine undressed, for it is the jubilee. It shall be holy unto you. You shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. In the year of this jubilee shall you return every man unto his possession. I want to preach to you for just a few moments this morning on the subject seven times seven equals 49. Seven times seven equals 49. We better ask the Lord to bless this. We just really all, we just all need to pray right now. Come on, let's do that. Lord, we love you and thank you for your presence, Lord, above all things. We are grateful for your presence. Lord, I pray that you will make the complex simple in our minds. Lord, I pray you'll unveil every mystery of your glory to us. Let our hearts, Lord, be made tender to the moving of your spirit and to the preaching of your word. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name for the holy anointing of God to be upon us in this house. We love you, and we thank you that you love us even when we were in our trespasses and sins. We give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. And amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I'm so glad I don't have to preach on the Patriots this year. My Lord, have mercy. It's just a blessing not to have to preach about the Patriots. But I was ready if I did have to preach about the Patriots. Because you got to be ready because the Patriots are more than likely going to be in the Super Bowl. So you got to be ready for what, come, what may, may come and develop. And so I, uh, somebody asked me, they said, what are you going to do if you have to preach on the Patriots again? They said, we kind of rang that dish rag out, didn't we? I mean, there's not much left. I said, are you kidding me? Their coach's name is Bill Belichick. 
We're in the middle of Ready Now campaign. I was going to talk about bills and checks. <laughs> Glory to God. We, we may have some bills coming our way, but the Lord's got a check. I may just go ahead and preach that anyway. Amen. You got to be ready for whatever may develop. If I were to ask you today to pick a number between 1 and 10, uh, you, you know, you, you may pick some random number, uh, but the very deep, scholarly, spiritual among you would, would, would lean a little to the number 7. You would lean a little to the number seven because clearly the number seven is God's perfect number. You know that. I know that. Everybody kind of knows that. Seven is, is God's perfect number. When I played basketball as a kid, uh, I, I, I wanted my number to be seven because it was God's perfect number. And then if somebody already took seven, I thought, well, I'll go with number one because hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Then I thought, well, if they take number one, I'll go with 12 because there were 12 apostles and 12 tribes. And then I thought, if they took 12, I'll take three because he was in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And then I thought if they took three, I'll take 11 because 11 was the number Isaiah Thomas wore when he played for the bad boys, the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> there was a reason behind each decision. And so, seven, though, was my, was my that was my number. Because that, that wasn't just my number, that was God's number. And, and so I thought, I, I, I really hope that I can get number seven. Because we all know that's God's perfect number. But I, I do need to ask us, how do we know that's God's perfect number? And, and why is that number, the number seven, God's perfect number? Now, before I proceed any further, I need to, to tell you that the number seven is a number that relates to perfection. And, and God has sanctioned certain realities. It's very significant in the scriptures. But I do need to tell you, seven nor any other number is mystical or magical or lucky. Okay, don't go buying some lotto ticket ever. And especially try to do it with, for spiritual reasons. Well, I'm going to pick number seven. And seven is my lucky number. And, and, and people get spiritual. They go to pay their bill, and, and it comes out to be $7.77. And they're like, look at God. Look at this. this is... I went to pay a bill one time, and it was $17.76. $17.76. I said, does that mean it's free? I mean, this, they, didn't, they didn't laugh as much as you did. But, but we get kind of caught up in these in these numbers, and, and the word, I mean, the number seven, it is unmistakable that in the scriptures it emerges and it reemerges as a number of great significance, and God seems to sanction it to be so. So many of the things that he established, particularly in the Old Testament, he did so in certain numerical values, and 
And here's what you have to understand. Those numerical values never were, were superstitious. They were never mystical. They were never magical. There was nothing lucky about them. They all reflected something of a heavenly nature that God was illustrating through various institutions that he established upon the earth. And so in order to be true to what was what was of a heavenly nature and that he was teaching humanity and establishing for humanity to understand. He had to list those things or establish those things according to the quantity that they were understood in the heavens. So, for instance, there were seven golden candlesticks in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Elisha told Naaman to dip seven times in the Jordan River to be healed of his leprosy. Proverbs chapter 17 describes the, that wisdom hath hewn out her seven pillars. There are seven feasts of the Lord, seven churches in the book of Revelation, and one who was among the seven golden candlesticks held seven stars in his right hand. And so today we're talking about the number seven. You know, we've been doing this for a long time, and, uh, and you know, we've got a good little winning streak. I'm trying to remember how many we've won. Could you just, do you guys remember how many we've won, uh, how many predictions we've got? Well, well, isn't that ironic? I had no idea. Man, I, I'm, you guys should have told me before we started. Seven in a row. Now, I'm not suggesting anything by that. As a matter of fact, I'm quite terrified because pride goeth before a fall. And I'm pretty proud of that. So the 49ers are probably going to lose tonight. There's a fact there's a great likelihood I may just go ahead and send them an email. I'm really sorry guys, I messed up everything. But the truth is if the 49ers lose, they deserve it for beating the Bengals two times in the Super Bowl 1982. In 1989. So either way, this is a win-win situation. This is a win-win situation. But perhaps the paramount illustration in the scriptures of the number seven being significant is found in the book of Genesis when the Lord created the earth. This is... This is this is probably the granddaddy of all sevens because he created the earth in seven days. And in creating the earth in seven days, he, he did some very interesting things. Each day it carried significance. Each day was important. Each day represented different things and different things were accomplished with each day. But when he came to the sixth day, his work was complete. But he went ahead and included that seventh day in the teaching model because he wanted us to understand the significance of completion, the significance of perfection. And so on the seventh day, he included it, but he did not include it as a day of work. He included it as a day of rest. Total and complete rest from his labors. And he taught the children of Israel to remember that seventh day. 
and to keep it holy. And, 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 and we like to talk about the Sabbath and the need to rest on the Sabbath, but just as important as a seventh day of rest are six days of labor. Some people get that turned around. One day of labor and six days of rest. That's not how it works. It's six full days of hard, disciplined, focused labor where you're, where you're putting your back into it, where you are striving and thriving and you're giving it your all and you're getting up and you're, and you're throwing down and you're doing what you got to do to make ends meet and make things be productive. And, and if you'll be productive in six days, then the reward of that is that there's this seventh day where everything is complete, where everything is finished, where you can step into your rest. Oh, hallelujah. And he illustrated this in creating the earth. But the question still remains, why seven days of creation? Why was the seventh day the day of rest? What was God really trying to teach us. I, I want to submit to you that even before there were seven days of creation, there was a significance of seven in the heavens which caused God to illustrate to us on the earth through creation the significance of work, 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 rest. And it is found in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. Verses 1 and 2. We're going to turn there and look at what the word of the Lord says. Isaiah chapter 11 and verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel, and the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. This is a description of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the root, if you please, out of dry ground. A branch that shall grow out of the roots of Jesse. He is a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And the Spirit of the Lord rested upon him. And wisdom rested upon him. And counsel rested upon him. And understanding rested upon him. And might rested upon him. And knowledge rested upon him. And the fear of the Lord rested upon him. And this is what we call the seven spirits of God. Now, there is only one God. And he is only one spirit. But there is a sevenfold nature to his spirit. And his spirit 
completes a thing and perfects a thing by applying his spirit and from his spirit primarily comes wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Could we put that list up there? I just want to put this list up there for you to see. This is the spirit of the Lord, number one. Next, we have the spirit of wisdom. Then we have understanding. Then we have the spirit of counsel and might or strength. And then we have the spirit of knowledge. And finally, as Solomon would say, the whole duty of man is to fear the Lord and keep his commandments. This is the perfection of a thing. That is why the number seven is God's perfect number. It's not the mysticism of the number. It's not the superstition that surrounds the number. It is the operation of the sevenfold spirit of God. That when God begins to move upon a thing, he moves upon it and wisdom begins to grow from it. And, 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 and wisdom takes time to develop in an individual. And, and so then once wisdom is established, then you move on to understanding. And then you move on to counsel and might or strength. And, and then you move on to knowledge. And then you move on to the fear of the Lord. These, the Bible said, are before the throne of God. And they rested upon the rod out of the stem of Jesse, which is Christ the Lord. And the Bible says that these seven spirits are the seven eyes of the Lamb of God, indicating that He sees all, and He knows all, and He understands all. That's why when you look at Jesus in His life, Jesus knew all and understood all, and He saw all. He did not reprove after the hearing of His ears. He didn't reprove based on hearsay. He didn't judge somebody by, by what he saw with his naked eye. He saw through the seven eyes of the Lamb. He saw through the wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and fear of the Lord. He was able to judge. This is why when they threw the woman caught in the act of adultery at his feet, they were ready to slay her on the spot. But Jesus was not ready to slay her because he wasn't looking at her through his natural eyes. He was looking through wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, might, and the fear of the Lord. And he saw the whole big picture. He saw judgment and he saw mercy. He saw grace and he saw the fallen nature of man. He saw it all. And he said... Let him that hath no sin cast the first stone. And when, and when they could not do that, he said, Woman, where are thine accusers? And she said, Lord, I have none. He said, Neither do I condemn thee. And he could have because he had no sin. But he didn't cast a stone either. And he said, Go and sin no more. That's wisdom. That's understanding. That's counsel. That's strength. That's knowledge. That's the fear of the Lord. That's the seven spirits of God or the sevenfold expression of the Spirit of God at work in Jesus Christ. These things, if you please, predate the creation of the earth. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 19. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up 
and his clouds drop down the dew. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 5. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. Listen to this. They are all plain to him that understandeth. And they are right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction, not silver. Receive my knowledge. These are the seven spirits of God. Rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Listen to this. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord, another aspect of his spirit, is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. And the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel, another expression of his spirit, is mine. And sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength or I have might. This is a reference to what was going on before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Counsel is mine. Sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign. By me, princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. If you look down at verse 22, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting From the beginning or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no foundations abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled. Before the hills was I brought forth. You've heard of somebody who's older than the hills. You've never met anybody older than the hills. But when you're talking about God, you're talking about the ancient of days. When you're talking about God, you're talking about a God who has all power in heaven and in earth. You're talking about the great I am, the altogether lovely, the all in all he is. There is none beside him. There is none above him. There is no equal and there is no superior. He said, I am the Lord and beside me there is none other. And when the Spirit of God moves upon a thing, it perfects that thing. This this Spirit of God is expressed sevenfold through wisdom and understanding and counsel and might or strength and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And it is, of course, the Spirit of the Lord. This is the Spirit that moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. It was wisdom moving across those waters. It was understanding moving across those waters. It was knowledge and counsel and strength and the fear of the Lord. And it was waking this earth up. It was pulling it up out of without void and without form and voidness. It was 
lifting up the dry land from the waters. It was separating the waters and gathering them unto seas. This is the sevenfold nature of the Spirit. And this is what God was teaching in His Word when He would establish things seven by seven by seven by seven. Anytime you see seven, whether it's seven, whether it's seven golden candlesticks or it's seven dips in the Jordan River, He wants you to understand that this is a reflection of what His Spirit can do in an individual's life. That it will, it will move to perfection. And when the Spirit of God moves upon your life, allow it to take its process. There's a process underway in your life. Don't frustrate the process. He's working wisdom in you. He's working understanding in you. He's working knowledge and counsel and strength and the fear of the Lord in you. That's why if you're going to receive counsel from somebody, you need, you don't, listen, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly they don't know what they're talking about you need to find somebody who has the spirit of the Lord in them this spirit has worked some things in them they may not be perfect yet but they're on their way they've got some wisdom to give you they've got some understanding to give you they've got some counsel to give you hallelujah that's what you learned in your trial. How many ever been through a trial where you thought you were going to lose your mind? I need to see a show of hands. Anybody ever went through a trial that you thought you'd never get out of it? Anybody ever been through a trial where you thought that, that you were going to die? Well, hear what I'm telling you. You put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You let the Spirit of the Lord work in your life. And look what happened. You're wiser today. You have more knowledge than you used to have. You have understanding that you didn't have before the trial began. What, what, what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. The Spirit of the Lord, in its sevenfold expression, is moving upon you. And it's taking you through trials in life. And it's moving in your heart and in your mind. And it's taking you through valleys and up over mountain peaks. And it's letting you experience certain things and finding God in certain dimensions. And in the process, He is completing you. Did you know that the word seven is also a verb? And it's in the Bible. When the Lord swear to Abraham, that word swear is actually, it means to seven one's self. So seven is a verb as well as a, as a noun or a number. It's, it also means to be perfected or to be complete. When God swore to Abraham, he was telling Abraham, I'm going to give you a promise. And it's not just any, it's just not, not just words. It's going to be a completed work. It's going to be, it's a swearing of God. That's why you and I do not swear. And we do not use swear words. Because we are not God. You, you cannot swear somebody or swear at somebody. No, no, that, you don't do that. You don't mix oaths and things of that nature. You be careful what words come out of your mouth. When God swears, he is promising a perfected work. And it means... <laughs> To seven oneself. 
So when you are filled with the Spirit of the Lord and then you start going through some stuff you didn't expect to go through, don't be afraid. He's sevening you. No, no, I'm not backsliding. I may not, I may not be able to, to feel good right now. And I might be struggling with a little something right now. But I know when this is over, I'm going to have strength that only the Spirit of God can give me. I know when this is over, I'm going to have wisdom that only the Spirit of God can give me. He's, he's sevening me. Elisha told Naaman to go down to the river Jordan and dip seven times. Naaman was offended, but his servant talked him into it. He went down to the river Jordan, and he dipped one time, came up, nothing. That's all right. He's not wanting you. He's sevening you. He went down the second time, came up, nothing. Man, he's all wet in this nasty river. Goes down a third time. Comes back a fourth time. Comes that fifth time. How many have ever been in a place where you can't get your head above water? How many have ever been in a place where you had trouble on the job? And just when you were coming out of that, then you got trouble in your family. And then just after you get through that, you got trouble in your finances. And then you get through that, you got trouble in your physical body. Don't give up. Keep going down and coming up. I'm going to preach it whether the devil likes it or not. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. For a just man falleth seven times, but riseth up again. My God, the first time I go down, I'm going to come up with wisdom. If I go back down, I'm coming up with understanding. If I go back down, I'm coming up with knowledge and counsel and might and the fear of the Lord. Naaman, don't be afraid of your trials. Go ahead, dip, dip. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, keep going. Get up. I know, get back up. Go back down. Get back up. Humble back down. Get up. Go down. Get up. Go down. But when he came up the seventh time, his flesh was returned to that of a child. This is why those three Hebrew children looked at Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, you better worship this golden image. And they said, never. He said, I said, worship it. I'll throw you in the fiery furnace. They said, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. He said, I'll heat it up seven times. Hotter than it was. And they said, did you say seven times? I might have been nervous if you said three times. But when you heat it up seven times, I know what that's going to do in my life. 
One degree wisdom, two degrees understanding, three degrees counsel, four degrees might, five degrees knowledge. He's sevening me. He's sevening me. He's sevening me. He's perfecting me. Uh, thank God for you. You're, you know, you, none of us here are flawless. We've got pasts that have all kinds of flaws and mistakes and failures. But we're further along than we were. We're stronger than we were. We're wiser than we were. We're more knowledgeable than we were. Because the Spirit of the Lord is perfecting us. My God. My God, I hope I can get through this. Lord, have mercy. My God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God, there is a sevening. There is a perfecting. Hallelujah. Now, that's what seven represented. Seven represented a perf the perfection of God, the completeness of God, the Spirit of the Lord, complete with wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's perfection. That's seven. But there were some times that the Lord would put a seven with another seven. The first seven was reflective of what exists in the heavens. But when there was a second seven added, it was God illustrating to mankind and to the earth that heaven, what is in heaven, shall be loosed on earth. That what exists in the glories will begin to move on this fallen nature of mankind. And so there are some times when you see seven coupled with seven. And God, God ordained it to be so. And in fact, Jesus one time was, he was, he was with his disciples. And his disciples didn't bring any bread with them. They, they forgot the bread that they had with them. And, and, and so Jesus says to them, I want you to, he starts teaching. And he said, I want you to beware of something. I want you to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they were like, why is he talking about leaven? And bread and stuff. It's because we forgot the bread. We do that a lot of times, don't we? God just trying to teach us something good. And we start looking and saying, oh, he's, he's coming down on me pretty hard because of this and because of that. And, and Jesus said, Jesus, because he was looking through the seven eyes of the Lamb of God, he, he knew their thoughts. And he said, why are you worried about talking about bread and about leaven as though I need bread or leaven? He said, do you not remember the miracle of the seven loaves? And have you forgotten how many baskets you took up? They went back and started counting up. They said, well, we had seven loaves of bread, and we took up seven baskets full. And he said, then how are you wondering whether or not I can supply all your needs? Because the seven loaves my God, multiplied by the seven baskets was God illustrating that what was taking place in heaven is taking up residence on the earth. My God. 
This is why, this is why, this is why he told Joshua, Joshua, I want you to walk around the walls of Jericho one time a day for seven days. But when you get to the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times on the seventh day. I want you to walk around seven times the seventh day. Hallelujah. Because I'm teaching you something, that when you take the seven spirits of God... The sevenfold nature of the Spirit of God, and you put it at work in a human being's life. Walls come down, hallelujah, and leprosy is healed, and souls are fed, and things are perfected and brought to completion. This is why John saw him among the seven golden candlesticks holding the seven stars in his right hand. Hallelujah. Perhaps the greatest example of seven and seven is Jubilee that we read about in Leviticus chapter 25. God said, I want you to work for six days and rest on the seventh day. And then I want you to work for another six days and rest on that seventh day. And I want you to work for six more days and rest on that seventh day. I want you to do it all month. I want you to do it all year. And I want you to do it the next year and the next year and the next year. And I want you to do it until you've done that six days and the seventh day of rest for six years. And on the seventh year, I want you to rest the whole year. I don't want you to sow. And I don't want you to reap. I want you to let whatever comes up out of the field feed you for an entire year. That's what I want you to do. And I want you to do that. I want you to go through that process. Six days of work, seventh day of rest. I want you to do that for six years. And then on the seventh year, I want you to take the whole year off. And enter into a rest because I'm showing you what happens when you put your confidence in me and let me fill you with the Spirit. There are going to be six days of labor. There are going to be six dump dunks down into the Jordan River. There are going to be six degrees heated in the fiery furnace. You're going to go through some trials. You're going to have headaches. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have days where you wonder if any of this is worth it but when you enter into the seventh day I want you to enter into a semblance or a simulation or a type or a shadow of the rest that I will give you that my spirit will bring to bear in your life and I want you to do that for seven six years and the seventh year rest and I want you to do it again just like I told you, six more years and then a seventh year of rest. And I want you to do it again and again and again and again until you've done it 49 years. Y'all, when they got to that 49th year, they were happy to go to work. I mean, hi-ho, hi-ho. It is off to work we go. Because we're getting ready to enter into a 50th year. 
Hallelujah. And that year is a year of jubilee where we celebrate debts paid off, where we celebrate leases expired, where we celebrate abundance and blessing, release servants released from their labors. Hallelujah. Every man unto his possession. We're going to enter into the year of jubilee, but it only comes when you put seven times seven. It only comes when you let the sevenfold expression of the Spirit of God multiply itself in your life. I've just come to tell somebody that if you'll let God work His Spirit in you to completion, He'll work wisdom and understanding. He will work counsel and might. He will work knowledge and He will work the fear of the Lord. And you will find rest. Dad, don't stop going to church. Don't stop leading your family to the house of God. It's worth it. It's worth it. Don't give up in this battle. It's worth it. Hallelujah. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo. I looked up Garoppolo. I was... I thought it sounded Greek. I thought, man, I'm going to go get in the Greek of Garoppolo. It's Italian. It means something like, it means like a warm, shining, glowing face, like the light of the sun shining. I'm sure there's nothing there. Jimmy Garoppolo used to play for the Patriots. He was, he was, he actually replaced Tom Brady when Tom Brady got injured. And he played good. And everybody said, he's the next guy. Because Tom Brady had been playing since before the foundations of the earth. <laughs> Tom Brady's been playing old as the hills. And now he's pulled some kind of hamstring or something, and here comes old Jimmy Garoppolo, similar to the way Tom Brady emerged, replacing Drew Bledsoe. Here comes Jimmy Garoppolo, and he, he is the new guy, and he's throwing touchdowns, and he carried the Patriots through their season. He did good. They thought their season was ruined. Garoppolo played well. He did good. And, and, and the 11 guys on the field looked at Garoppolo and said, we don't want you anymore. And the Patriots, who always in these sermons, Super Bowl sermons, are the children of Israel. <laughs> the 11 players on the field said, we don't want Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. You know where they traded him? They traded him to the 49ers. He was like, man, what am I doing in San Francisco? Going to Alcatraz? You can only eat so much clam chowder in a sourdough bread bowl. What am I doing in San Francisco? We're trading this patriot over to the 49ers. The 11, we don't want him anymore. And Jimmy Garoppolo went over to the 49ers. And here he is. He wouldn't be in the Super Bowl if he was with the Patriots. But he's in the Super Bowl. It didn't happen like he thought it was going to happen. But it happened. 
he knew it was going to, he had dreams. He had dreams of being with the Patriots and throwing the ball 60 yards. He had dreams, man. He had dreams of marching down the field the next Tom Brady. Everybody singing his praises. And, and none of it came to pass with the Patriots. Oh, but he's there. On a, on a, on a, on a different note, Joseph in the Bible had 11 brothers. And Joseph had dreams. Of being a big star with the Patriots, <laughs> the actual children of Israel. But the 11 Patriots looked at Joseph and said, We don't want you anymore. We're gonna trade you. We're gonna trade you into the hands of the Midianites. Oh, I wish I could preach it like I feel it. And all of Joseph's dreams came tumbling down. All those images of him throwing the football among 12 sheaves and, and all those dreams of him, of him throwing the football down the field and scoring the touchdown and all the stars bowing down to him, giving him praise. All of that went up in smoke. He was traded over to Alcatraz, went to prison. Glory to God. While he's in prison, here comes the butler and the baker. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo probably has a butler and a baker too. He's got money. But all the money in the world can't satisfy the hunger for a championship. Joseph is in the prison in Alcatraz. Here comes the butler and the baker. And, and they have dreams. And Joseph interprets their dreams. And all his dreams are dashed. He's never going to be anything. By, he saw it. He says the, the, the crowd was cheering. It was going to be a great day. He was going to sit high and look low. And everybody was going to sing his praises. But it didn't happen with the patriots. He was traded over with to Alcatraz. And while he's over there in Alcatraz in the prison, the butler and the baker, he interprets their dreams. The baker dies. He looks at the butler and says, now don't forget me. The butler said, I could never forget you. Walked out the door, forgot him immediately. <laughs> Walks into Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh has this crazy dream. And in this dream, y'all aren't going to believe this. Actually, you need to believe this. This is the word of God. <laughs> in his dream... There are seven fat cows, and there are seven lean cows. Nobody could interpret the dream, and the butler's just kind of standing over there listening, whistling, hearing Pharaoh lose his mind about nobody can interpret my dream. Nobody here can interpret any dreams, and the butler's just standing. All of a sudden, he's like, wait a minute. I know somebody who can interpret your dream. Joseph can interpret your dream. They went and got Joseph, brought him up to Pharaoh, and Joseph come walking into Pharaoh's court. And he said, what was the dream? And Pharaoh said, in my dream, there were seven fat cows and there were seven skinny cows. And there were seven full ears of corn, and there were seven thin ears of corn. And Joseph started doing the math. Seven times seven equals 49. Take away the two, add the carry over, cross out. The, he said seven times seven equals 49. 
Seven fat cows represent seven years of plenty. Seven lean cows represent seven years of famine. Seven full ears of corn represent seven years of plenty. Seven thin ears of corn represent seven years of famine. This that you've had a dream of is of a heavenly vision. It is of the Lord. He said something interesting. He said, I know it's of the Lord because he gave you the dream twice. He gave you the same dream in in, in two different ways. That means it's of the Lord. Joseph understood that when the Lord speaks and swears, he does it twice, one for heaven and one for earth. That's why the scripture said, verily, verily, I say unto thee. That's why he'd say, Abraham, Abraham. That's why he'd say, Moses, Moses. That's why he'd say, Saul, Saul. When he swears a thing, he seals it in the heavens and he seals it in the earth. Joseph looked at Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, this is from the Lord because the dream is told twice. He doubled it. It's of the Lord. It's seven and seven. Hallelujah. You know what you are? You're a 49er. If you'll let the, if you'll let the sevenfold moving of the Spirit of God express itself in your life and get down into the members of your body and work in your spirit and work in your soul, then I'm going to tell you that He's going to deliver you over into a year of jubilee. You'll stand, hallelujah, in courts you never dreamed you'd stand in. You'll be passing edicts and giving directives and providing for people you never knew you'd be providing for. It may not happen the way you thought it was going to happen. Oh, but it's going to happen. I'm telling you seven times seven is 49 and that's all there is to it. Oh my God. Let me break it down what I mean. Wisdom plus understanding plus get the Spirit of the Lord. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord times your humble, surrendered will is jubilee. You ought to do the icky shuffle right now. Come on. I said you ought to give God some praise right now. Hey! Hey! I'm going to overcome my adversary because the Spirit of the Lord is at work in my life. He's working things out for my good. I may be underwater right now, but I'm going to come up. And when I come up, I'm going to come up wiser. I'm going to come up. And when I come up, I'm going to come up stronger. You cannot multiply the Spirit of the Lord by a humble, surrendered will and come up with anything other than on the precipice of Jubilee. I don't care where you are. Hallelujah. On this field, you just keep on running. Keep on throwing. 
Come on, throw. We won't call it a Hail Mary. We won't call it that. We'll call it a All Hail King Jesus. You say, but you don't know how far I have to go. I don't have to know how far back you are from the end zone. You could be in your own end zone, but you got to keep on running, keep on pushing, keep on shoving. Come on, get your footwork ready. Move and dodge and dart. Don't make me break out my running back moves just to preach this message. I just got to... Come on, somebody. Some of you need to duck and dodge and dart and roll. All right. All right. I, 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 know we're, I, know, I know we're getting close to the end. Stop the clock. Stop the clock. Man. Hey, they do that in football. Stop the clock. I'm going to start doing that. Look at y'all. y'all some of y'all aren't laughing. Some of you are like, flag on the play. <laughs> Offensive holding, preacher holding congregation from Red Lobster. <laughs> Come on, stop the clock. We got, we got some yardage to make up. We've got some yardage to make up. Some of you need to be a wide receiver and receive ye the Holy Ghost. Some of you need to be a running back and run back to an old-fashioned altar. <laughs> Go shut that up. My God. You say, but pastor, I'm way behind. The end zone is way down there. And I'm way down here. And I've fallen down once. I've fallen down twice. I've fallen down three times. Listen, listen. I want you to hear me and don't misunderstand me. You may not be able to make it to the end zone right now. But you can make it to a first down. I'm talking about where you first met Jesus. I'm talking about when you first repented. I'm talking about your first love. You can make it to the first down. Come on, just stretch yourself over the line. Come on, he'll move those chains. And you'll be able to throw yourself down. Keep on moving. If he knocks you out of bounds, get back up. Hallelujah. If he pulls a hamstring, get back up. If you get a concussion, get back up. If they have to pull you out on a stretcher, get back up. You got to keep on running. You got to keep on running. You got to keep on keeping on until you make it to the end. Hallelujah. Don't give up. You're in the red zone. You're in the crimson stream of blood zone. 
There's going to be an opening soon. Hallelujah. There's going to be a weakness in the defense. Let me tell you something. They may look intimidating. They may look tough and rough. But I've come to tell you, if you've got the seven spirits of God moving on you, the sevenfold nature of God perfecting you, you have nothing to be afraid of. Jesus had the sevenfold nature of God at work in him. Understanding and knowledge and counsel and might and the fear of the Lord and wisdom. And he's standing there in front of no less than the priest. But not just any priest. The chief priest. They're no match. They're no match. They can accuse him all they want. They're no match. They can fire daggers at him all they want. They're no match. They can try to take him out at the knees. They're no match. Seven times seven. Seven times seven. Seven times seven. It equals 49. I'm coming into my jubilee. Hallelujah. And when you score that touchdown, and when you get that extra point, you didn't just score one point. You scored seven. I need somebody who feels the crushing weight of their debt and the crushing weight of their burden. I need you to lift your hands right now and say, Lord, I need your spirit to move in my life. I can tell you're doing something. I refuse to give up. I refuse to turn around. I refuse. I refuse. Come on, I need somebody who's hungry. Hallelujah for God to complete the work in your life. Somebody who's hungry for God to seven you, to perfect you. Uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If, If you've never been in a Pentecostal church before, we're about to do something that's very common, and it's, it's, it's not threatening at all. We're wel- we open our altars, and we welcome people to come down and pray. There's a liberty that comes when you make your way to the front, and you step out of your comfort zone, hallelujah, and into the end zone. And you begin to lift up your hands unto the Lord and say, God, I don't know how to do this, but I'm willing to let the Spirit of the Lord move in my life. I'm willing to let the Spirit of the Lord work on me. I'm I'm willing to let God have His way in my heart and in my mind. If you're here today and you've been knocked down by every opposing force that you can imagine, I need you to come forward right now and say, Lord, I need you to carry me the rest of the way. Lord, I need you to perfect your work in my life. Lord, I didn't, I didn't fall down in vain. I'm coming up out of this with understanding and with wisdom and knowledge. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, if, you, if you've never received the Holy Ghost, you can receive the Holy Ghost today in the Spirit of the Lord. We'll begin to accomplish His work in your life. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Pour your heart out to him. Pour your heart out to him. You're not in this by yourself. Heaven is going to come down and join forces with you. It's going to be seven times your surrendered will. It's going to be wisdom and might and counsel and knowledge of the Lord multiplied by your humble heart. Come on, God has a jubilee for you. God has a jubilee for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Come on, I need somebody that maybe has lost yardage on the play. If you've lost yardage and you think you could never make it back to where you were, I want you to know God. God is going to bring you back. Do it right now. 